The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. and this is the AP Laboratory. Uh, it's a special show. We'll, uh, we got a lot to cover. We got a lot of things to discuss today. And uh, we'll, we'll get to that just right now. And here to help me do that is my dear pal. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. What is up, my friend? Look, I'm excited for this show. There's a lot of big football news happening right now. We have had new news in the football. No, not really. There's not a whole lot going on right now other than uh, a lot of teams can't have training camp at their normal place. And that's about the only big news I think we've gotten in the last week. If not more so, but I think a lot of the offseason is going to go that way. But I'm ready to move on. I'm still excited for the show. Uh, Craig, you can tell us what's going on in your world today, Renaissance Man. What have you done new this week? Nothing. I'm, I'm boring. You guys need to stop. <laughs> I, no. I just wanted to do a little soliloquy here. No. I'm, uh, no. We got to get to our special guest with us. Arrowhead Pride's prodigal son has returned joining <laughs> us on the podcast here. Chiefs reporter, BJ Kissel. BJ, thank you so much for joining us today, my man. I've never been described that way, and I've, it makes me very uncomfortable. I was, it was Consigliere. Joel's Consigliere was my favorite nickname back in the day, but uh, I appreciate it. I'm excited to, to be on and be back, uh, helping you guys out with Arrowhead Pride. Great See, memories the, going back. We had to get you on here because I think my first podcast appearance was on the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel no. way back in the Chuck day. Talk. Chop talk with you and Joel. Yes, I, be- I believe you are the reason why we're doing this. So any any complaints, uh-huh. send them to yeah. at Chiefs Reporter. Just get those out there to him. That was before podcasting was as like popular as it is now. And I've gone back and looked. Like we had Nick Wright, we had Bill Moss, like we had some former players, like we had guests. And looking back, I was like, I have no idea what we were doing. But like, <laughs> it's, that's why you're I had to working try to for figure the- it out. That's why you're working for the Chiefs and we're still at Arrowhead Pride. <laughs> if you listen to those, you'd know that's not true. Oh, no. Well, here's the real reason we had to get you on. We needed, we needed a celebrity to rival Hollywood Swanson. Oh, who's now doing regular TV work. Just He's in everyone's TV screen. So we needed somebody to rival him, you know, to push him to the next level. Oh, God. I'm just glad that it's not on video because my hair, I just didn't know if I would be up to the standards of what you guys require to be on your show. Luke. Well, Craig's here, so yeah, I'm, I'm bringing okay. the average way, way down. He's like, he's really, he's really affecting the curve. If we're being honest, 
Beej, uh, they basically stripped everything that you've ever done from Arrowhead Pride, but there is something that is still sitting up there yeah. on, the, on the YouTube channel. Oh, no. If, if you that? go to the very bottom of the YouTube channel, there's videos of BJ breaking down Devin Wiley. Oh, and Daquan Menzi? Is that Daquan one on there, Yep. Those it's are just, so bad. It was, like, in Those front are... of, like, a standard definition TV, and you're just, like, pointing at stuff. It's so yeah, good. That was before like video breakdowns. It was like doing it in front of a T. Although some people still do that. Yeah. Um, Grinder. But yeah, that that was bad. That was like not even real film. That was like huddle film from high school, I think. I don't know. <laughs> Look where you're at now. I, yeah, now I got like all this nice equipment. I can do all this cool stuff. So yeah, it, it's come a long way, but still fun to interact, obviously, and create content for Chiefs fans and facilitate discussion in different ways. The job's changed a lot, but so fun yeah we decided to have bj on here because the the four of us get to get together every once in a while and talk some football Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of nice to just kind of get together here we don't really have a a rundown to speak of for the first segment here we're just going to sit around talk about some of the stuff that we typically do when we get together and talk football and you know sit around over a few drinks so one of the things bj didn't get to go to the senior bowl this year because the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl, which oh I'm man, sure, I'm sure he's going to trade that every single year now. So we didn't get to get some of the typical draft conversation here. BJ, do you have anybody that you absolutely loved coming out of this year's draft? Oh, good question. Um, there were a lot of guys. It's hard because we were picking so low, and mm. I don't do what you guys do. And I, I loved your draft guide, by the way. Huge, huge Aww. fan. But I know. Thanks, pal. But I uh, so I didn't have time to like go through and watch every single guy. So I went through like certain groups and watched like four or five players. And within that group of players, I found guys I really liked. I didn't get like you guys down to the sixth and seventh rounders. But um, my takes, if you want to call them that, I was really glad that Tua didn't that that Miami took Tua. I didn't want him to have a chance to end up in the with the Chargers. And you could use this you know, in three years and Justin Herbert's an all pro and I'm going to look really stupid, <laughs> but I was from what I saw at Alabama and what I think when I watch quarterbacks that are really good, I thought Tua was, he's healthy. The way that he moves, his athleticism, his accuracy, he's smart. Um, he has the ability to, you put the right pieces around him uh, to feel like he could put up 30 points a game and then it, you get into a shootout and then you, you know, hit over that threshold of what it's going to take going up against Patrick Mahomes and what the Chiefs offense can do. So um, I was glad that Tua didn't go, and I'm excited to see what he can do down in Miami, kind of in the division or in the conference, but away. And then uh, Jalen Rager, uh, the TCU wide receiver. I know Craig heard me a lot. Craig doesn't say it, but, like, Craig and I talk a lot about stuff, and I just call him and be like, hey, I've got takes on draft guys. Like, I haven't looked at your draft guy. I don't know what your thoughts are, but here's <laughs> what I think. And sometimes we're completely off, and sometimes we're on. And I just called him, and I was like, Jalen Rager. Like, I had already watched a lot of receivers, and I liked him, but I watched that dude, and I was like, okay, I'm sold. This guy can play. And I wasn't surprised he went as high as he did. Uh, I know that um, Adam Lefko with the Beach Report had, like, a video that went viral because he wanted Justin Jefferson, and he went right after. But I think Eagles fans are going to like Jalen Rager. Oh, man. Yeah. I We liked Jalen Rager. Maddie was pounding the table a little bit for Jalen Rager in round Okay. One. Yeah, yeah it no, was like – 
big Jalen Rager guy. And I thought the same thing. Like, everybody talked about his 40 time and his combine performance. And, like, you could very clearly see the guy, you know, put on a little bit too much muscle, like a lot of the TCU guys did. Like, he wasn't moving the same way he did on the field. And, like, his tape was so good. You give him a competent quarterback, he's going to be good. So, I'm happy he went, you know, to an NFC team. Don't want to see him. I don't want to play against him all the time. And, like, he's a guy I would have loved to see the Chiefs take, even with the weapons they already have. So, I was a huge Rager fan. I think we were comped for him. Oh, I don't remember who we comped him to. I remember, Craig. Do you remember the comp I gave to you? And I was like scared to put it out in public, but uh, you know what? you're going to say whatever. it. I don't remember it, but I don't remember it off the top of my head. And not off the field. Not off the field. Right. Oh, no. The field. Oh, um, he doesn't have a job right now. Yes, Antonio Brown. You said Antonio Brown. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, that's I, I, went. I was like, okay. He's that little at- sudden. Yeah, for certain. I don't know about height, weight, speed. I just, from looking at him on the field, the way that he moves, he high, high points, he was crisp. I, he, was one of, he was one of those guys that kind of late in the, late in the process, they were, there was concerns that, like, some people thought he was going to fall. So I think we mocked him into the Chiefs in the second round at one point, like, very close <laughs> to the draft, because there was so much coming out. Like, I don't know. We compared him to Stephon Diggs. There you go. Okay. That's, that's similar to Antonio Brown. Like, yeah, that's in the same general ballpark, ballpark I think, as Antonio yeah. Brown. Like, and that's just like, okay. yeah, he's not, a, he's not a small guy exactly, like a super skinny guy. He's pretty thick, but he's shorter, but he competes at the catch point. Like, I think that's what I really like yeah. is he wasn't a guy that's just going to body catch underneath and run after the ball. Like, he's he's going to go up and get it. So, like, I really enjoyed that. I'd say, like, I didn't compare him in, like, my mind to, like, uh, like Tyree Kill, so to speak, but he has that mentality that every ball he's going to go get, he doesn't care if he's shorter than somebody else. Yeah, big Jalen Rager fan, and I'm with you. I'm glad it's Herbert and with the Chargers, oh, not Tua. Man, I, I'm willing to miss on Herbert hitting and figuring out football, like how to win yeah. every situation. I'm willing to miss on that one and not have to deal with Tua. Because they had to take a quarterback. I mean, they had to. The, yeah. you, they couldn't go in there with just Tyrod this year. They, they may not be picking that high again for the next little while here. So you had to take one. And if they're going to take one, take the third one. Something, something to, to just put in the back of your head here for the future. This is two straight years that are two, two years that Lee Steinberg has gotten a, like a prominent quarterback. Okay. The first year, the same year Patrick Mahomes was drafted. He gave an award to Clark hunt, some kind of like, like during the super bowl or something like that. And then this year, Steven Ross, is Steven Ross the owner of the, the Dolphins? Is that right? He got it this year. I just find yep. that very coincidental. I'm just saying. I, I tweeted out. It's Stein- I tweeted out. Oh, go. Sorry. It's, a Stein- it's the Steinberg party at the Super Bowl. He does it every year, and that's where they did the photo op with Clark. That's where they did the photo op with Steven Ross. So this year, it's like everyone's just going to be waiting. Like, right. right there. If he gets Justin Fields, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Trevor Lance. Oh, yeah. Trey Lance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trey Lance. Trey yeah. Lance. So, Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence. It's all there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're Lawrence. right a lot, BJ. I, I'm not to take <laughs> over here, but you are. No, you, no. you have an eye for this sort of thing. I want Very you to smart. A trumpet this a little bit here. I want you to tell us about some players that you've been right on that maybe some people second-guessed a little bit or, you know, were a little lower on that you just didn't understand why they were fallers. Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) (laughs) What a flex. I'm on record all over the place. I'll be one of those guys like, that was the guy. Um, Guys that I I liked. I actually – 
you know, one that one who's currently on the team that I really like that I think basically fit the exact role that we a lot of us thought that he would. I don't know where you guys stood. Uh, Colin Saunders. Um, I liked him at the Senior Bowl. I liked him as a player. I thought he'd be great as a rotational guy uh, with quickness. He's a lot stronger and played a lot stronger at the point of attack than I thought. There were times where he threw guys around, which was a little surprising, um, just because you knew about his speed and his quickness coming in. Um, we joked about Cooper Rush in Dallas. Um, it's like the backup quarterback to use that as a, a guy to kind of hang your hat on. But, you know, as a late-round yeah. pick, I've, I've got friends that, that'll laugh when they hear me say that because I was kind of pounding the table saying, you need a backup quarterback, he's your guy. Uh, not a lot of people know about him. A lot of people in Dallas hope they never will, and they pay Dak a lot of money and don't ever have to worry about it. But, um, but yeah, I think – I'm sure there are a lot more, Craig. We've talked a lot. You probably have more um, than that. But those are the two that jump out right now. It was just really me allowing you to flex about Patrick Mahomes, just making you look good. Buddy. You could have stopped there, and it would have been perfect. No, no, he had to flex. My favorite, <laughs> my favorite flex, and I don't do this on social media very often, but uh, if you guys remember a couple of years ago and uh, going through the preseason and the Mahomes nickname and he wanted to go by Showtime that's what he'd gone by since he was a kid. And then Golden Tate found out, and then huh. Peter Schrager blew it up, and then everybody's calling me out. And all I responded was, I'm comfortable letting this play out. And <laughs> I think it showed you that Mahomes liked it. And I was just like, ooh, we're on the same page. Like, yep. the world's good. Like, we're good. Put that little chip on He me. wins the MVP. I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it this year. And then he went Super Bowl MVP. I was like, I'll do it now. And that's when I quote <laughs> to him. I was like, I'm so comfortable. Like, hey, receipts. I wonder if this keeps Golden Tate up at night. That's my only question. Like, I wonder if it's something that just bothers Golden Tate nonstop. It seems, he seems like a guy that, you know, maybe plays the big chip on his shoulder. I feel like this is something he probably carries around with him, but he lost his nickname in the matter of like a year and a half, a nickname that nobody knew he had, I might want to say, but he lost it in a year and a half. There were a lot of tweets and like a lot of responses and not just like quote tweets, like mentions, like he was going after it. When I quote tweeted, a couple of people tagged him, and there was nothing. So he may have been on vacation. He didn't see it, but yeah. he didn't respond. Yeah. Well, a couple more years like what we've just had, and Tom Brady's going to lose his nickname pretty quick too. So just, just saying. TB12? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, Kent. Oh, shut up, Matty. So, uh, <laughs> so you, you were right on Mahomes. Um, yeah. But anybody that you went hard on that you can remember, not necessarily a chief, but somebody that you loved, absolutely loved. I, for instance, me, Aaron Curry, and Dion Jordan were my dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I missed on both Get of along. those guys badly. So anybody you missed on like that? I haven't said Dion Jordan. Like I, <laughs> that was the guy. Like because I remember being in the stadium at the Fiesta Bowl, and I already liked him. But he's six seven, two forty, and he was lined up in the slot. Yeah. Like playing, he like played zone. It was like, oh, he was like the Isaiah Simmons of like, where do you not the same type of player, but it's like, where are all these places you can put this dude? <laughs> like that body type, that athleticism. And then he goes to Miami. And I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know about how they use him and all that. But from what I saw, like they just put him as like a 4 3 D end. And they're like, there's your spot. I'm like, no, I, I saw like a Julian Peterson like type body, oh. like a middle linebacker move a guy around. Like I thought. They can be a little more creative, and I know he's kind of resurged uh, in Seattle. Um, I think that's he's in Seattle, um, or he was kind of popped back up. But um, that's that was the guy. I loved him, man. Always going to be the him. guy. I I, I fell for the jig too, if I'm being honest. Mm. 
Maddie, I, mean, I think most people did. No, no, I think no, I think most people did because he had the athletic profile he looked for. He had this amazing body type, and he had all these like splash plays on film. And I think it kind of goes back to I think there's a big thing. A lot of guys, especially first round caliber players, like they have the talent, the athleticism to play in the NFL. It just matters where they go and what a coaching staff and a training staff and then like obviously their drive goes into it. Like a lot of these guys can succeed in the right situation. He was just the guy that went to the wrong situation. It took him a while to get on track. And then he popped up for a little bit. I don't know where he's gone to now, so it didn't last. But, yeah, I mean, he's a guy – I don't think I was as high, quite as high as you guys were, judging by conversations before. But, I mean, I still liked him. I would take him in the top ten for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, Maddie, you were like oh, 13 correct. in 2013 too. So, like – That's I mean, true. The fact that you Carl, uh, had him low there was great. Carl Lawson. Carl Lawson. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, this is this is out. Carl Lawson fan club right here. Uh, oh, goodness. Yeah. Even I'm Maddie's kinda, that one. I had an early second round grade on Carl Lawson. I had him almost in the first round if he just would have tested better. So I'm a big Carl Lawson guy. Yeah. yeah, and they don't move him to off-ball linebacker again. Oh, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> uh, all right, here, a couple questions, and then we'll, then we'll do the back half with the team previews and everything like that. But um, – your Super Bowl experience. You've talked about it a little bit there. I remember there are two things, and you've talked about them on your podcast, In the Trenches, which everybody should be listening to. If you're not, go to, you know, sign up for it right now. Five star and subscribe. Five star and subscribe. But Thank you. the two stories that you've told on that podcast, one was about Frank Clark coming out yeah. of the tunnel at halftime. I love that story. Yeah. And the other one, that you and I have talked about a little bit, and you can see on the broadcast, is you losing your damn mind on the <laughs> Sammy Watkins catch. Can, can you describe those a little bit? I know you've talked about them, so just like an abridged version of each. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so Frank was mic'd up for the Super Bowl. Most people know that. So when he ran out of the tunnel, coming out of the second half, he kind of passed me stopped, ran back to me and just said like, BJ, now's when the fun begins. And I said something back to him and he didn't hear me and he ran off and he came back and I was like, they can't block you. And like, that's all I remember yelling out. <laughs> um, and it was like right when they came out of the tunnel and he was like, I got you. And I, they got it on the mic'd up and I, full disclosure, like went and found it. And I was like, I know he said it to me. It like they put out the mic'd up videos and I watched them and I was like, yeah, maybe they didn't get the audio, but I'm going to go back and watch. And, um, you know, it's funny, he's our, one of the guys who works in the communications department was watching through the mic'd up and he texted me and he was like, there's a really cool interaction with you and Frank. And I was like, oh, cool, they caught it. He's like, you know what I'm talking about? I was like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> That's cool. Um, but yeah, he ran out of the tunnel. He said, like, now's when the fun begins, like I said. And then uh, in the second half, at, at the end of the game, when he got the sack, uh, when Grappolo kind of threw the ball. And if you remember the play, like there was kind of a, the flag was thrown. It was like a legal touching. So there was mm-hmm. kind of like a lull. Mm-hmm. And then like the time kind of like everybody was kind of waiting, but you knew that whatever it was, it wasn't going to be a positive play. And it was on San Francisco. Well, that whole time, Frank is celebrating. He's running around with his teammates. He and Tyron are running around. And then he spots me on the side and runs over and like daps me up. And he, I was like, oh, I think you could hear my voice like in the video, like <laughs> losing my mind. Um, so I naturally like made a video where like I took that moment of like the halftime and then put it right by the sack and the celebration to make it like seem like right in a row. Uh, <laughs> you and they can't block you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but yeah, those are like moments that I'll never forget. And it wasn't the only time Frank, like he's animated on the sideline and it's always a bunch of strange, like most of the people down there, the players don't know except for their teammates and like the security guys. So I think sometimes when they're going through all the people who are standing over there and they see me, they know me. It's just kind of like, Oh, Hey. Um, and Frank's always kind of animated. So um, down in Mexico, he said a lot uh, as well. So it wasn't the first time uh, stuff like that's happened. It was the first time that it was caught on camera and obviously in a Super Bowl. And then, um, and what was the other one? Sammy, the Sammy play, getting by oh. Sherman. You're on the broadcast, losing your mind. <laughs> I had a really good – the other thing about the broadcast is, like, on our sideline, I was the only one in a white jacket. So, like, the first time I saw it, I'm like, that kind of looks like me. And I was like, oh, that's me. I'm really easy to see down there. <laughs> yeah, the Sammy, when he beat Sherman, I – the the angle that I had, it was like Pat was throwing – Patrick was throwing the ball, like, right towards me. So, like, I was right in line with it. And I saw Sammy, like, right off the line get past him. And the cool thing is if you look at the right angle, my arms are up and I'm jumping before Mahomes, like, lets go of the ball because Sammy's, like, already beat him and Mahomes is looking that way. And so the all whole time – like, I think the all 22 has that. The all 22 yeah, I'm, like, has jump, that sure. I'm jumping up and down, losing my mind. Uh, and there's a lot, of, a lot of angles of – there's a lot of cameras at the Super Bowl. So uh, they, they catch pretty much everything. but. Uh, between that next and, film uh, breakdown, white jacket on the sideline coming next week. <laughs> <laughs> but the other one was when uh, Pat, when Jimmy Ward popped Pat on the uh, what would have been a first down, but the ball went back. Is that like I was right? I was like three feet away from that, and my immediate reaction—you could see me jumping—and then like the way that he got hit, I just stop and freeze, and I look right at Mahomes, and he's laughing, and I was just like, "All right, everybody's good. Like we're good. <laughs> Jimmy Ward is not okay right now, but Mahomes is fine." Yeah. <laughs> so you got to stay. You got to stay in that corner for that entire possession, the the final possession. Then I'm assuming, yeah, yeah. For the most part, even though there were a lot more people down there, there was a lot of like assigned places. Um, so it was probably busier than a normal game, but it wasn't so crowded that you couldn't get around. So I always tried to stay near the line of scrimmage, uh, unless there was an injured player and there was some sort of injury update that we're waiting on. And then for the radio network, I need to report that stuff. So I would kind of go stand closer to the bench and. Um, near Brad G, the PR guy who would pass along the injury info for us to report during broadcast uh, once Rick Burkholder is done checking them out. But uh, for the most part, I try to be near the line of scrimmage. Um, and then when they got inside the red zone, I'd get near the goal line um, just in case there's something that needed to be reported that I could see better than, you know, Mitch and Kendall up in the booth. All right, last one. Favorite player to get a quote from, past or present? And it doesn't have to be, like, a good quote. It could just be... The most entertaining <laughs> quote that you can pull here. Just you take it. driver. <laughs> okay, current. I'm gonna give you a current and a former. Okay. So current is it, what? Ooh. <laughs> for a long time it was Chris. For a long time it was Chris, mm-hmm. and Chris is like goofy and fun. Uh, Frank, you have no idea what's gonna come out of his mouth. Um, <laughs> and I love that like suspense. Uh, and that was the same thing with Dwayne Bow. Like you never <laughs> quite knew what, what he was going to say. And like my first interview that I remember working for the chiefs with my first interview ever was with D Ford. Um, but I remember one of the first days of camp interviewing Dwayne Bowe and I can't recall the exact conversation, but I will just rem- tell you that I will never forget that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I, if I tried to repeat it, it would, it would not be good, but um, I'll never forget that conversation. We're not going to make you, but yeah, please, we're not, thank we're you. Not. We kind of want to now, but. 
There's awful. a player that I missed on in the NFL draft. I was not a big guy. I, mean, I was very young at the time, as Kent likes to put out, but I was just, I was still into the draft and I wasn't a huge Dwayne Bow fan coming out. I would much rather have a Robert Meacham out of Tennessee than a Dwayne Bow. I did not like the inability to separate. It, it was a stickler for me at the time, but, uh, but yeah, they were just age. You're like seven years old. When <laughs> Listen, I there. I don't remember the website, but there was a website that let me make uh, mock drafts and a big board, and I, I sure did it. So uh, yeah, Dwayne Bow. There was one that I definitely missed on. Did he Robert tiny, Gallery? Oh yeah, tiny Maddie with his blocks stacking them up to spell draft pick names. That's that's what it was. That was his big board. I still do that. <laughs> think the kids have blocks for themselves no they're for me okay we're gonna take a break and then we're gonna get back to our uh season preview right after this all right we still got bj here we're, we just we've kept him on so he's gonna just go through the uh season preview with us bj what we've been doing is we're going uh looking at all the opponents we've been going you know two weeks at a time we're on week seven and eight now and we are talking first about a road matchup against the denver broncos they've made a lot of moves this offseason what do you think about the quality of the roster man this is a loaded question just because they've done so much and there's so much talked about like the offensive side of surrounding drew lock with talent coming out of the draft that's what everybody want to talk about with Jerry Judy and then KJ Hamler and the different guys that they brought in. Um, but like the AJ Bouye move and the Jarrell Casey move and Graham Glasgow, who's a good player that no one's going to talk about um, because he's an offensive lineman, but really short up that spot. And I think the Lloyd Cushenberry draft pick, as far as like the offensive line, kind of fills the spot left by Connor McGovern, who left for the Jets. But, you know, the one player that I honestly haven't spoken about with all the content that we've done around the draft in Denver and uh, you guys may have, but you forget about Bradley Chubb that he was injured all of last season and that he's back and that you had 12 sacks as a rookie and then dealt with the the torn ACL last year and missed most of the season. I think he played just like four games, three or four games. Um, So for me, it's like that's the guy to kind of you forget about and you can't because of how talented he is, but uh, they've had a lot of the pieces around, around, but you know this whole Broncos, you know, transformation with Cortland Sutton, who's already a stud, Jerry Judy, who a lot of people think is going to be a stud, and KJ Hamler uh, with just his ability to make guys miss and create kind of big plays and just little flash plays here and there. Then um, Melvin Gordon, obviously that addition, but um, you know all the pressures on Pat Shermer. You know it's on can they get a coach to develop Drew Locke for him to be the quarterback they need him to be to compete in this division because he's got talent. Noah Fant, you know, he's got plenty of weapons around him and they've shored up the offensive line outside of right tackle, which is a little surprising in my opinion. Uh, But, you know, they've got, they've got a lot of talent, but like I said, it's going to be on the development of Drew Locke, which ultimately is going to fall on Pat Shermer who steps over after coming over from being the, he was a head coach of the Giants last year. So um, there's a lot on him. I, I'm mad at the Broncos because they actually put together a decent looking team here. Like I, they, they really do have even depth wise. I, I like a lot of the pieces that they had. Anybody who followed our, you know, draft coverage knows that they basically took almost all guys that we love 
So we're all guys that we talked about as being good Chiefs fits or guys that we thought that Steve Spagnuolo would be able to use well. And then they also took Essang Bassi. So I think <laughs> a, a squad that really kind of put itself together pretty well here, it really is just on Drew Locke to make it happen. But then overall roster is yeah. pretty darn good. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think the roster looks pretty good. They did a good job going out and attacking some weaknesses. I think like getting Lloyd Cushenberry that was in the third round to put next to Glasgow and then with Risner on the other side as the starting center, that definitely helped sure up the interior offensive line. I'm not sold on Garrett Bowles. Garrett Bowles does not do anything for me as a left tackle. Well, as a Chiefs fan, he does a lot for me actually as a left <laughs> tackle. But if I were a Broncos fan, I'm still worried about tackle. But outside that, like Drew Locke's in a great position – the defense may not have a ton of stars on it, but outside of Von Miller, but if Chubb comes back healthy, like it's a solid group. So this roster is definitely ready to go. It's just the coaching staff and then whatever Drew Lott can give you, that's kind of really what's going to separate them from anybody else. Feels like a broken record, but every week it feels like I'm saying it's, you know, they've given quarterback X all he needs to succeed. Let's see if he can do it. Uh, BJ, what do you think about the quality of the staff for the Denver Broncos? I think, like I said, I think it's on Pat Shermer. You know, I think Vic Fangio and what they can do on the defensive side, um, he's got talent over there. Getting Bradley Chubb is going to help. Uh, getting Jarrell Casey is going to help them. I know they lost Derek Wolf. Um, he just got tired of losing to the Chiefs. Um, <laughs> you, know, you come out and say you hate Kansas City. Like, hey, I had some, I had some shade. I had some shade for Derek Wolf a few weeks ago. I, I'm with you there, Beach. He goes he's to Baltimore just- and. Okay. Good try. I think his exact quote was, I hate everything about Kansas City except Travis Kelsey. Because they know each other in college. Yep. So, you know what? Okay. Um, move Keep along. Keep catching these elves. So, yeah, so I, I think from what we saw last year and just the domination the Chiefs had, I think the Chiefs are always going to have a coaching advantage. Um, but that being said, Pat Shermer was brought over for a reason by John Elway to work with his young quarterback. And whatever those guys know about football is more than I'm ever going to know. And they believe he's the guy. And they're let's not pretend like they're putting their competitive future on the line right now in a very developmental time for their young quarterback uh, that they have to be right on if they're going to be competitive anytime soon. And so, you know, for me, it's all in on those guys. It's, it's the game plan. It's the way they're calling plays. It's the way they're utilizing those playmakers, uh, especially – you know, in this pandemic situation, like how quickly can Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler actually be weapons without running a lot of reps with Drew Locke and their quarterback? And how much can Drew Locke retain through this virtual OTAs? It's setting those guys back in that way, even though the same head coach, the whole point in the whole offseason was about your quarterback and now you're having to deal with these situations. So uh, it's just another reason the Chiefs are in a great spot. I agree with you, Jay. It's pretty much whatever Pat Shermer can get out of Drew Locke and that offense is going to control how far they can go. I think Fangio has put together a defense that very much fits his style. It's a lot of guys that are going to be able to play very well in zone coverage. You're not going to ask a ton of guys to excel on islands covering a ton of space. You're going to get after the pass rusher or the quarterback from multiple different angles. So like, it's a quality defense. There's not a ton of stars besides like Justin Simmons and Von Miller, but it's going to fit him really well. I think the other only other coach I want to mention is Mike Munchak working with this offensive line. If there was ever a person that can get these tackles to work, it's going to be him. And he's got some talent on the interior to get it going. So like he's 
he's probably my favorite assistant coach. And that includes either coordinator that they have. And I really wish he was not with Denver because he is a guy that really can turn an offensive line unit all the way around. Munchak gets something out of Garrett Bowles, then he's a miracle worker. Um, okay, BJ, how about a new addition to the Broncos roster? Give us somebody from a new addition that you like. Uh, Jerry Judy. I think that's, that's a pretty easy one. I was pretty surprised. I don't know about you draft guys. I was surprised. I was surprised he was still there. I mean, I think the first surprise is obviously the Raiders taking rugs over Judy. I think most people would have flip-flopped those. Um, I thought it would have – I was more prepared for it to be flip-flopped uh, with Judy going to the Raiders and then um, rugs going to the Broncos. But, um, you know, Jerry Judy's the one because, you know, guys that I respect and guys who do this call them, what, the best route runner that they had ever evaluated. Um, and no matter what you do, if you can create separation at this league, um, even a little bit, and you've got a quarterback who could deliver the ball and make all the throws, which they do. Um, you've got a quarterback who the moment's not going to be too big for. Um, you know, Drew Locke wasn't intimidated, you know, coming into Kansas City. You could say what we want about his game, playing in the snow and all that. But the way that he plays, the way that his teammates rallied behind him, I don't know if it was more so something different from Flacco personality-wise or if it really <laughs> was Drew Locke kind of, you know, invigorating those guys. But um, there was something real there, and they – you know what they finished four and one down the stretch with them, so that's that's not nothing. Um, besides the loss coming to Arrowhead, but Jerry <laughs> Judy's the one that uh, Corlin Sutton's going to get a lot of attention. Um, Noah Fan's going to get attention, and you know if, Ju- if Jerry Judy can do um, the things that a lot of people think he can, um, that could be that could be tough to stop. My guy is Jarrell Casey, and I'm not sure how the Broncos got him for a seventh round pick. Um, Jarrell Casey is really, really, really good. I know he's 31. I know he's getting older. I know that there are questions about how long he'll be able to hold up. But for a seventh-round pick, Jarrell Casey is absolutely worth it. I was kind of excited to see Derek Wolf go. I thought Derek Wolf was a very underrated defensive tackle. I believe that they replaced him with a guy that can bring exactly what he has and more. So I think Jarrell Casey is going to help make the interior of that defense tick a little bit better going to offer a little bit of pressure up the middle there i i just i didn't like that move as a chief fan personally i don't i don't like jarell casey you know coming up the middle against patrick Mahomes. so uh, that i feel like is probably the most underrated new addition they made i'm going to come at you guys with a very mad answer it's going to make kent really mad I'm going to go with Bryce Callahan because I completely forgot that he was on their roster last year because he didn't play a single game, but he was coming over from the Bears with Vic Fangio. He had two quality seasons in 2017 and 2018. He ended each season with a couple picks. He's got going to play a lot out of the slot, but I think he might start, especially with their zone scheme, across from Bouye kind of in their base packages. He's just a quality corner that makes him not have to rush some other younger guys that aren't really ready to be starters on the field. And like I said, I just completely forgot he was on their team until I went and looked up their roster. But he's a very quality cornerback that they I forgot existed. Uh, for me, it's KJ Hamler, a uh, guy that, that BJ mentioned here a little bit. And, you know, I'm kind of a – I think I like Hamler more than some people do. I think 46, getting him at 46 where they got him, I think that's about right. I think that's pretty good value, frankly. Uh, I believe in his ability to track the ball over his head a little bit better than some people do. So I do think as a threat down the field, he's going to be a little bit better, um, you know, in some of those situations where he's having to locate the football. I think he's going to be better than a lot of people think um, because I know there is some knocks on him in that regard. But, man, watching him, you know, 
one of the more electric players in the class. Obviously, he's a little bit on the, on the slender side, but, man, I think there's some explosive potential there. All right, BJ, uh, players to watch. Give us a player to watch on the Denver Broncos. Ooh, outside of the two guys, I can't talk about Jerry Judy again. Um, <laughs> you can if you want. Like, there's no rules here. I'll go back. I'll, I'll take, like, Bradley, Bradley Chubb. Like, he's the guy. Because, like, you know, like Matt mentioned, that you've got Von Miller and a stud up there, and you talk about, you know, Vic Fangio and what this defense could be. When you add two guys with Jarrell Casey and Bradley Chubb back in the mix who can get after the quarterback, particularly a guy on the interior, um, it frees up Von Miller, and it frees up those other guys. not just about those two additions. It's about the trio of those three guys all having pass rush ability. Um, and, you know, the old adage of, you know, interior pressure is the way to disrupt most things. Um, nothing disrupts Patrick Mahomes so far. Um, but, so we can't, we're not going to make those kinds of comments. But, you know, you add a, a former All-Pro, one of the, the best in the league. And like Craig said, when I saw that come across the ticker, that wasn't one of those like, well, okay. It was like, oh, like, okay. Like, they just got better. Like, that was a good move. Um, but yeah, I think Bradley Chubb's the one for me. Um, you put two guys and they get after it and Jarrell Casey in the middle, like that's a completely different looking front seven of their defense. So Drew Locke's the guy for me. I'm continuing to bang these drums every week. It feels like, but I think, you know, Drew Locke's such an interesting guy because he's been a guy that's ridden on small sample sizes. He had small sample sizes of really good football his last year at Missouri. He had a small sample size of pretty good football his final five games with the Denver Broncos. But it's been full bodies of work for him that's always been the question mark. I'm very fascinated to see what the body of work will look like for Drew Locke by the time week seven rolls around. What kind of football player are we getting out of, out of him? Is he legit? Is he maximizing all the players, all the weapons around him? Is this a guy that the Denver Broncos can hang their hat on? Um, we're going to have more answers by week seven than I, than I think, you know, you would typically, you know, anticipate because this guy has been so high variance his whole career. Really curious to see what, uh, what Drew Lock looks like. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to straight up cheat. No, that's only for me. That's yeah. only for me. I'm going to straight up cheat and say the entire running back room. Like, I have no idea what the Broncos oh. are doing here. Melvin Gordon, Lame. Philip Lindsay, and Royce Freeman are all very good running backs. I don't know how they're going to split those guys up in a timeshare because Royce Freeman and Melvin Gordon probably need touches to really get themselves going in a big way. Philip Lindsay's a home run hitter and he doesn't necessarily need those touches, but he should probably be the one that's getting a bunch of touches because they're going to be throwing the ball a lot with Drew Locke here. And he's an excellent pass catcher and he's a pretty good route runner. So I just have no idea what they're doing in that running back room. It just seems like, that's a lot of money to spend on Melvin Gordon when you had two legitimate guys there. Like that, That's a pretty nice one-two punch as it was already. You add Melvin Gordon, that just confuses me as to what they're planning to do. I was I going to a, pick. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I'm going out of order. I just had an audible mention of uh, Wilkinson. Lyle oh, Wilkinson, yeah. the right tackle. I just want to throw that out. The Chiefs had 11 <laughs> sacks in the two games against Denver <laughs> I was just going to say, I was going to pick Melvin Gordon because for whatever reason, anytime Melvin Gordon plays the Chiefs, he turns into Adrian Peterson for those games. And it has spanned across multiple player personnel, multiple coaching staffs. He's just nearly impossible to tackle when he plays only the Chiefs. Anybody else, he's just a normal running back, but he always seems to kill the Chiefs. So I was going to pick him, but we'll, we'll divert. We'll go uh, 
Noah Fant. I think Noah Fant's a super athletic tight end. A lot of people loved him coming into the draft, coming to the NFL last year, and he showed some flashes. But I don't usually critique players for being, you know, playing relatively soft. But Noah Fant plays a little soft for me, and it always bothered me as a tight end. He just he struggles to catch the ball through contact. He struggles to work through contact when he's going through his routes. Is that going to get any better? Like you can be you know, a split tight end. You don't have to play in line and be a great blocker to succeed in the NFL. I'm fine with that. But you have to be able to be more physical in a defensive back, and I just don't know if he is. So I'm really paying attention to, like, how physical he can be when he gets matched up with safeties and corners, and that can take him from, you know, this exciting young guy to an actual good tight end in the NFL if he can make that next step. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to the New York Jets. Uh, we'll, we'll close things out with this. Uh, the Chiefs play the Jets at home. And, BJ, what do you think of the quality of the New York Jets roster? It's going to be similar to what we talked about with the Broncos, but this is another scenario in which this is all on Sam Darnold. It's all on their young quarterback and what they're trying to do to, to surround him, it, not necessarily with the, the weapons this offseason. I think they went to the uh, almost like the Brett Veach kind of well with like former top picks at receiver uh, and what they did with Josh Doxson and Brashad Perryman and taking guys that had been top picks before and using most of their resources and assets uh, to try to help that offensive line, bringing over Connor McGovern uh, to play on the interior, George Fant, uh, say what we want, a lot of talk about his contract, but uh, and then the Mackay Becton. You know, those are three huge assets that they put into protecting Darnold. Literally huge. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mackay Becton trained with, uh, with my guy Duke Manyweather down in Dallas, and Duke – we were talking at the combine, talking about how big he is, and Dane Brugler at the Athletic was standing right there. We were all talking, and he's like, "This guy is going to absolutely blow all of this stuff away." <laughs> and if there's one guy that I'm just going to defer to on any opinion, and I'm just going to be like, "You know what? I'm just going to say it. what I'm going to copy what he says because he knows what he's doing." Uh, is Duke's that guy? And he's Makai was his guy, so uh, that was great news for uh, Sam Darnold again. You know, it's kind of like the not the same, but. You put a lot of resources into an area that don't necessarily get the, the fans really excited, um, but it makes your football team better. And so I feel like if they can get something out of Josh Doxson, uh, Rashad Perryman, they've got you know guys like Jamison Crowder and uh, they lost to Robbie Anderson. But um, you know it'll be interesting to see what happens with Sam Darnold and how you know Le'Veon Bell's role kind of changes if they can show up that offensive line, give them a little more time. I I'm I like a lot of the pieces. For the Jets, I, I I don't love any of them other than like maybe Jamal Adams, but especially on a defense there, there's a lot of pieces that I really like. Uh, Quentin Williams is very good, obviously. C.J. Mosley is very good. I I like Blake Cashman last year, and he's he's kind of a starter for them now. I just think that they the the quality of the roster is a little bit of a step back from the Denver Broncos, top to bottom here. But it's still pretty good. I mean, I, I do think that they've done a good job building up that offensive line, like BJ said there. They got Denzel Mims, so a guy that they can add on the outside with a little bit of size, speed up there as well. So I think that they've got the chance to kind of take another step forward. The defense, I feel like, is going to be pretty good if that offense can keep up a little bit, give Le'Veon Bell the ball more and have those weapons on the outside. I think they've got a chance to really kind of do some damage in that division a little bit. 
Yeah, the defensive side of the ball here is kind of where I get a little questionable because, like, outside of Jamal Adams, I just don't see anybody that gets me super excited. I do think C.J. Mosley's a quality player. Quinton Williams, if he keeps developing, and he was super young coming into the NFL last year, he can do that. But, like, that's about it in terms of just, like, even hope or guys you hope to step up. Marcus Mays is a solid player as well. So is Henry Anderson, but like all these guys are just solid. Just I don't see a big impact player on this defense once you get past Jamal Adams right now. And then like they just didn't bring in a ton of guys to help. They got Ashton Davis, Shaheem Carter. They added some guys in the secondary later on, like Bryce Hall. Just not a lot of – they didn't add any impact players to that defensive side of the ball, which already wasn't great. Offensively, they're trying. They're trying to surround Sam Darnold with some guys. They're trying to make it better for him. And I think their offense could be a little bit of fun as long as Sam Darnold stays healthy. But – just that defense scares me a little bit. I think there's a few too many questions on the offensive side of the ball. This is one of the few rosters so far I think we've gone through that are like definitely a couple steps behind the Chiefs in just about every single position. Yeah. Yeah, but I do want to give Joe Douglas a little bit of credit because I think in a short amount of time, I think he's actually made some pretty smart and prudent moves. I think he's just kind of really behind the eight ball with what they were dealing with there. So, like, I, I don't hate what, jo, what uh, Joe Douglas has done to this point in the short amount of time there. So, I think he does deserve some credit. Uh, let's talk about the, uh, the, the coaches that Joe Douglas is building this roster for, BJ. What do you think of the quality of the staff? Well, I can't look at a picture or talk about Adam Gase without looking <laughs> at all the, me- the memes that came and the tacos that were flying around. During, like, you know – I hope people watching know what I'm talking about. Otherwise, yeah. they're going to be like, what is this guy talking about? Um, but just his eyes and the way that he was looking around, and then he photoshopped in a taco flying around. just amazing. <laughs> uh, but besides that, you know, you look at the staff, like I always looked into, like, what connections do they have? Like, what I don't know the coaching staffs around the league as much as I obviously know the Chiefs. So I was like, what connections do we have? What guys do I know? And then see Jim Bob Cooter's name. It's just <laughs> He's always around. He's always, like, whether it was the Chiefs and then, he was with Indianapolis, and he was with Detroit for a little while. He was the interim coach when we played him in London uh, that year. Remember, like, that staff yep. had just gotten fired, and then with the London for the entire week uh, with a new staff, and Jim Bob Cooter was the guy. But uh, between him and then Heinz Ward being a coach, I just – it's so weird to think about Heinz Ward being in anything other than, like, a Pittsburgh Steeler. I, I don't know. That's just strange to me when I saw his picture in the Jets gear. Uh, it just kind of caught me off guard, but – um, yeah, I think, you know, Adam Gase is going to get his shot uh, to figure out what he can do. Like you said, Joe Douglas uh, had, a, had some challenges uh, with the contracts they have. And what can Adam Gase – how many different ways can they try to utilize Le'Veon Bell? And how many different ways can they try to get him the football? Because uh, there were times watching last year where it was literally like throw to Le'Veon left, run Le'Veon right, and then, you know, throw a screen to Le'Veon. <laughs> uh, and see what he could do and he's good enough but at some point he needs somebody else to step up and they spent the resource resources on the offensive line most of them uh which you understood but Robbie Anderson was a big play threat thought it made sense not paying him the kind of money that he got in free agency but uh taking a shot on Josh Doxson uh Rashad Berryman Perryman uh, a couple former top picks and then uh as Craig mentioned Denzel Mims uh a guy that out of Baylor that you know a lot of people were split on it seemed like in the draft world with all the receivers in this draft he was one of those guys that a lot of people had high and then you know some of those drop mock draft simulators had him in, i got him in like the sixth round <laughs> so, so you never really know where those where those fall but well we can't talk their wide receiver but not talk about 
ex-Chiefs Jehu Chesson, special team star. But uh, no, he's also on there, just adding other talent to that uh, other receivers that work for other teams. Uh, coaching staff-wise, I think it's interesting to bring in Dow Loggins to be your Sam Darnold groomer. I don't know why Dow Loggins was the choice. It seems to be an interesting <laughs> choice to bring for a young quarterback that really does still need to develop. Like Sam Darnold's shown some promise, but he needs to keep getting better. He needs to move on. I'm not sure that Dow Loggins really has a resume that makes you believe that he's going to be the guy for it. But if everyone's on the same page, if everything works out, by all means, like it's, that's a great hire. Anything that can help a quarterback – it's just that seems like an interesting move. I think it probably helps keep all the power to Adam Gase, which is what he wants in all situations. And besides that, I mean, Greg Williams is your defensive coordinator. I think most people have their own set takes on Greg Williams already as is. Hello. Whether whether good or bad, you know, he's there, and you're going to know he's there. So uh, we'll, let, we'll let Kent get in on that one. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go rant Swanson. Uh, fun fact. Uh, I was just looking through the coaching staff. I played against one of these guys on the on the Jets defensive staff. Mm. Defensive assistant, Mac Brown. He played at Baker. Mm. I remember he was a quarterback, and now he's on the defensive side of the football for some reason. I don't know. But I just find that interesting. So there's a little bit of local, local flavor there. Uh, BJ, give us a new addition to the roster you like. That I like? <laughs> <laughs> that hard, huh? Yeah, we got hard. You know, I'll give you one. Pierre Desir, the cornerback that is coming from around these parts, played at Washburn, uh, and then transferred and played at Lindenwood. A guy that I remember going and going to watch at Lindenwood. I drove to St. Charles, and I was watching a Division II football game on the sideline. Uh, before I got the job with the Chiefs, I was the MIAA uh, network reporter, and I drove to that game to do that game because I wanted to see Pierre Desir and John Brown line up against each other. And to get two guys who are still in the league uh, and still making plays uh, in a Division II football game that probably had less than 50 fans in the stands, uh, there's probably about 15 NFL scouts there that day. Uh, I think there was about 30% of the people in the stands, I think, were scouts. But um, Pierre Desir, I think he's a good player. He's a great dude. Uh, I've gotten to know him a little bit. I saw him at NFL Honors this year when he got an award when he was walking down the aisle um, or he was walking down the red carpet. Uh, but I think he's going to be a good piece to their defense. I always thought he's an underrated player. He's great in Seattle. Um, he was good in Indianapolis, and now he's going to get a shot in New York. Punter one, Braden. Man- <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Connor McGovern is is the guy. I, I think that helps them out a lot. Uh, Connor McGovern's a, a very good center. I think that he's going to help solidify things a little bit more with protections for Sam Darnold. He's going to just really help that entire offensive line, which is pretty young I mean especially if Becton starting there Chuma Doga last year is you know a fairly new addition so there are some guys that will need some you know sort of seasoning they need a leader up on that offensive line I think Connor McGovern can come right in and be that guy for their offensive line and kind of help the young group grow I'm sticking right on the offensive line we're going back to Makai Becton because we talked about him a little bit BJ did but there's enough man there to keep talking about you know him a little bit longer he was my offensive tackle one, and it wasn't even particularly close. Like, I think you get worried with a guy like Becton who's so big that didn't have necessarily this most polished tape coming out of college, and people start worrying about his floor versus the ceiling. 
I don't think his floor is particularly low at all. I think his floor is plenty high because he is such a massive person that is so that moves so well. You can't simply just run around him and expect him not be able to get to you. He just eats up so much space with his size and his movement abilities. I think at worst, he's a competent player in the NFL. You add on to that the fact that he has gotten a lot better. He's gotten with one of, if not the best offensive line coach around by himself to work with with Duke. He's doing everything right, and he looks phenomenal. I think his growth, his final year before he came out, was great. Kai Becton is really going to help Sam Donald. He's going to keep him protected. I like Chuma Adoga at right tackle across from him, too. Those two guys should let Sam Donald be able to step up in the pocket a little bit more, keep him protected. Like I think that's a really good unit they built there. Had a Jehu Cheston joke ready. Stole it. I had Makai Becton takes. Stole it. What, what, you got, what did you say, Beach? I want to read off the receivers on the roster for the Jets right now. <laughs> Braxton, Braxton Berrios, Lawrence Kager, George Campbell, J.U. Chesson, Jameson Crowder is their number one receiver. Uh, Josh Doxson, Josh Malone, Denzel Mims, Brashad Perryman, Jeff Smith, and Vincent Smith. Yeah, there's not a lot there. That's a group. It is an, a literal that, group of people. That is a group of football players. That's bordering on a crowd. <laughs> uh, I guess. That's competition, guys. That is a heavy competition for who's going to step up. That's that's not the kind of somebody's going to step up and make want. plays. Somebody's <laughs> going to step up and make plays, and it's probably going to be a tight end. It's going to be like it's going to be like Chris Herndon. Ross Travis, Ross Travis <laughs> is on that team. There you go. Yeah, I uh, I'm going to go with Frank Gore because I think he's older than all of us, and that's no. really that's pretty hard to do. Uh, you 37 yet? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't want to look too much, but we're just going to go ahead. When's his birthday? I don't know. I'm not looking that far. If you want to find out, you can. But um, Frank Gore, we're going to just pretend is older than all of us for sure. And then he might actually be, but we're just going to pretend. Like, that's just impressive. I really hope he plays long enough for his kid to have a chance to play with him in the league. Because that would just never happen. At running back, that happens? That's ridiculous. All right, real quick, and we'll get out of here. Players to watch, BJ. Give us one to watch. Nathan Shepard. I am sticking <laughs> in the MIAA and sticking to Fort Hayes State, another player that I loved throughout the pre-draft process a couple years ago. Defensive lineman. Uh, he's not going to be one of those guys that uh, is going to fight Quinnen Williams uh, for playing time up there. But uh, I, got to, I believe everyone here um, liked it some, at some level. Uh, could could step in the mix, and my two players to watch were Pierre Desir and Nathan Shepard for no more reason that they played at the best Division II football conference in the country in the MIAA, <laughs> right here in the heart of America. You Look at that! We're not stuff. plugging. <laughs> not at all. Not in the slightest. Uh, okay, so normally you don't have a tackle be the player to watch, but I'm going with the I'm going with Makai Becton here because I want a chance to talk about Makai Becton as well. Maddie keeps just stealing all of them before I get a chance. And he's really good at that. It happens every week. It's okay. I'm not bitter at all. Um, but I too have a lot of love for Makai Becton. Uh, I think he's just, I think he's got some of the most rare physical abilities that you possibly can have. And I don't think he's a slouch in, as a football player either. Obviously he's got a lot of work to do. He's going to continue to clean up his footwork. He's going to continue to, you know, really develop technically, but I don't think you can coach what he has. And I think he's going to work to reach the level that he needs to, to become, but he had, I mean, he honestly has a chance to be a generational tackle. And I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Even in year one, I think you're going to enjoy watching him play football. 
I'm picking a guy that may or may not be on the roster in week eight, Jamal Adams. There's a lot of uncertainty about Jamal Adams right now. He is arguably one of the best, probably a top five safety in the league. I, I think I feel pretty comfortable saying that Jamal Adams is a very, very good football player. He's an excellent box safety. He's an excellent blitzer. He's good in coverage. Like He's just an overall playmaker. He's the thing that makes that defense tick. And I know they don't want to get rid of him, but I know he wants to get paid. So I, I am going to be monitoring that situation heavily because if he's not on this squad, like Matty said, I, I think it's a good squad. I don't love a lot of guys on it, but he's one of the few guys that I love. I'm going with elite playmaker. H-back, Trevon Wesco out of West Virginia. <laughs> Listen, like we just said, this, this wide receiver crowd that they have going on, there's not a particular guy ready to really step up there unless Denzel Mibbs is ready to go from day one. You have Chris Herndon, who I do like, but he's returning from injury. He had a strong rookie campaign at tight end, and somebody else has got to catch some passes. I saw Trevon Wesco at the Senior Bowl like for some kind of fullback, tight end hybrid he looked pretty good. He moved really well out there. I know a lot of people around the NFL did like him. You know, he's a good blocker, but I think he has a chance to actually make some plays in the receiving game. Just it's another good person to put up there and kind of the return of the fullback as it transitions to the H-back. I think he's a name that we could hear about more in the future as that movement kind of keeps going on. Boy, if that works you out. You picked an H-back, and I picked a rotational defensive lineman. Y'all, <laughs> y'all are really in the spirit of this activity. Well done, guys. <laughs> Educational. <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's, that's the kind of stuff that people are here for, 45 minutes into the show, you know, just to hear some drops of Trevor and Wesco. Beach, do you want to plug anything? Uh, no, that's not why I'm here. Like, no. Okay. I, I, I didn't know we were going to give you a chance. No, I love you guys to show. We're going to – we'll figure out what content looks like. I know that people saw the statement. Um, we kind of, you know, are backing off content this week. We have our watch party Wednesday that uh, we've been doing um, all off season. the live streams on Wednesday nights. As of right now, the plan is to do the live stream next Wednesday night at 6 p.m. to rewatch the Super Bowl uh, for a lot of people, probably like the 78th time. Um, but we've got some special guests. We're not ready to announce those yet, but they're, they're big time. Uh, and you're going to want to tune in. It's, I'll say that. Um, but we got to figure out if, you know, make sure that we're going to do it on Wednesday. That's the plan um, as of right now. But um, we'll see how that goes. They've been a lot of fun. There's a lot of cool interactions with fans and uh, something fun to do. You know, we watch the, uh, the condensed versions of the game pass. So the games are less than an hour that we're doing it. We try to keep it loose, just kind of like your guys' podcast, just like you're sitting at a bar watching a game. It's kind of the vibe Ooh, that we're going for. This is tight. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> This is, this is tight like a tight. We are a professional <laughs> podcast. Lofty words. Bees, you're an inspiration. Thank you for coming <laughs> and hanging out with us. The OG, one of the OGs of Arrowhead Pride, just coming back. Had enough time for all of us. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on. That man. was Patrick Allen. But thank you very much. I appreciate <laughs> it. That was Kalo, Kalo Phoenix was the OG. Him and Bees Sawaf. Hey, that phoenix has risen, so. Satch, yeah, that that phoenix is dead. That phoenix is Satchmo. dead. Satchmo. We'll shout out Satchmo. Satchmo. Go, go look up Flash <laughs> Sensei. Yeah. Up a mountain. Uh, oh, sorry. Go. Do you have anything else, Beach? No, we're good. All right, buddy. Well, thank you. That's going to do it. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, that's going to do it for the <laughs> show. We'll, uh, we'll be uh, back on Monday. Be sure to check the AP Editor show 
on Thursday. Catch you later. Thank you.